Citizen Femme Production presents I Hope I Get It, the podcast. The show where we share all of our audition room stories. We talk about the good, the bad, and the oh my god, did that just happen. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of I Hope I Get It, the podcast. I'm your host, Taryn Stain, and today my guest is Matthew Torres. So one of the things I love about hosting this podcast is that my guests will always link me to a friend or someone that they think should be on the podcast. And this is exactly how I was first introduced to Matt. Uh, Georgie McCauley from season three is a good friend of Matt's and she, and she went, when, you know, when chatting to her, she was like, you have to have my friend Matt on the show. So here we are. Let me just give you a little more info on Matt. Matthew started acting in 2009 and decided to pursue it as a full-time career. Knowing nothing about the business, Matt is finding his footing with great teachers, friends, family, and a couple of strangers along the way. Matthew started acting professionally in 2017 when he moved back to his home city of Chicago, where he landed his first speaking role on Chicago's staple television show, Chicago PD. After another couple of months, he decided it was finally time to move to Los Angeles during the pandemic, like a crazy person, and make his dream a reality. I hope that you will enjoy this conversation. Matt, the, we are going to talk about how Matt has this really wonderful Excel spreadsheet that he tracks all his auditions and castings on. And it it just, it's so appealed to my type A personality that I was so excited to talk to him about it. So I hope that you will enjoy this episode as much as I did having this conversation. Matt, thank you so much for joining me today on I Hope I Get It, the podcast where I get to speak to my fellow actors and my fellow creatives about their experience in the audition room. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, you and I were put uh, in contact with each other by a former guest and uh, who I now consider a friend of mine, the lovely Georgie McCauley. So I'm so excited for this connection and there's just so many questions I want to ask you. So first of all, let me just welcome you to the podcast. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to be here. Um, Georgie is fantastic. I'm really, really glad that she decided to connect us. And I can't wait. This this sounds like so much fun. So like I said, the podcast is all about um, our experience in the audition room. And so let us just start at the very, very beginning. What was your, do you remember the very first audition casting that you went to? Yes, I do. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Does high school count? Because we could start there if you want. <laughs> take me take me all the way back. Okay, okay. Sounds good. All right. So it was uh, uh, 2009. Um, so I had I just started freshman year of high school. And um, I had always uh, wanted, I wanted to be an actor, like, since 2006. I saw, like, Dylan and Cole Sprouse do this, like, Disney Channel thing where they put, like, the little Disney thing in. and. Um, it's kind of it's kind of horrible because like as like a sixth grader, you know, it was like I was watching this and I was like, I bet I could do that. And then I went, I bet I could do that better than them. But this was like before I understood like genre or, or, or like anything because I was like sitcoms are like so weird. It's like all just like kind of bad acting, but like that's not it at all. It was like it was just like another skill to have. But um, I had told my friends in middle school and my friend TJ Blackmore, uh, shout out TJ. Um, I had told him like in middle school that I wanted to be an actor. And uh, the spring play um, didn't have a lot of people audition in that freshman year of high school. So my friend TJ was like, come on, man. Like you said, you wanted to do this and you've not done it. Like, you know, you didn't even do it in middle school. So like, we gotta go. So uh, him, uh, my friend Jared and I all went to this audition. And um, I believe, I think it was like Miss Gallagher was running the show. She was from like a different school and it was for a show called, it was for a show called Rehearsal for Murder. And it is the corniest, most uh, god awful show I've ever been a part of. And even after that whole thing, I, I wanted to do it again. <laughs> um, so I got, I ended up getting the part of this like old police officer so just imagine like a 14 year old like skinny brown kid playing like a 60 year old police officer with like dyed gray hair and like old wrinkly makeup on his face it was 
a blast. I had a blast. And like, I, I gotta tell you, that show was so, so bad. So shout out to the cast that was that was a part of that. But we we were awful. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So that was your first taste of um, of it, of auditions, <laughs> of, of this performing life. Yeah, yeah. So that was like my first taste. So like the audition, like it was, um, it was really nerve wracking. Like I was like, I, uh, I, I just remember like kind of just being really, really nervous because I, I hadn't acted before. I hadn't taken any acting class or whatever. And I, I kind of just went in and like, I feel like I told her a sob story. I was like, I've always wanted to do this. So like, I'm really excited to like try and, and, and this is going to be like, I, I just can't wait. I can't wait. And, uh, she like, she, you know, she gave me a chance and that was great. Uh, and, and yeah, I've been, I've been wanting to do it, um, ever since which has been which has been a lot of fun fantastic i know that you you are originally from chicago am i right yes that is correct so tell me about your first sort of professional audition in chicago okay so um in chicago goodness um yeah. Okay. So my first audition in Chicago was at the Pride Arts Center. We, I did, I was doing a lot of theater before I had moved to film and television. Um, so that uh, was for, for actually, believe it or not, like um, a kids show to, to like tell kids about like the different like sexual identities and like how it was on a spectrum. Um, and the Pride Arts Center would like, um, it was like their first time testing this kind of thing out. So I had auditioned and it was only for four people. And a lot of people had auditioned that day. And I, I remember like, I remember getting the job and, and then like getting there. I didn't, I thought it was going to be like another um, like kind of community theater thing. Like I knew I was getting paid. So I knew it was like professional, but like I did not expect to be put in a newspaper. And that's like, that's the, the audition. I, I wish I could tell you more about the details of it, but it was, um, really like character based like you had to come up with these like outrageous characters because you would end up being like i ended up playing like eight different characters throughout this whole show um for like for a young adult show um and that i think was my first professional audition in chicago yeah you know that that reminds me of a of a an audition i went to which is also for um a but it, this i think this was geared more towards like primary school elementary school aged kids um where we would we were basically having the, there would be a book and we would reenact a like a scene from the book and we would never give them the ending because they would have to take the book out of the library to to find the ending so so i remember that audition process was also like you really like it was super physical you had to really get into the character like if you if you were the tiger you were literally on the floor you were the tiger um and i remember and i remember that being so yeah that's exactly that's exactly like what we had to do too like there i had to be like a, a cat i had to be like a hen a frog uh for that whole thing and i was like sweating through that whole show Absolutely. It's because, and I think that's what I, you know, I've done a lot of children's theater and um, in order to get them to pay attention and to fully believe, you know, children are not easily fooled. So to, you know, to get them to like fully believe what you're, the story you're telling, you have to like your, your whole body is so invested in this role. And I remember, I think that was, that has been, if I think of auditions, and I have done like musical auditions where we've done dance calls, but I don't think anything has been as physical as that audition to for for children's theater. I agree. Um, the whole thing for us too is that like sometimes they would play like a uh, classical music that was in the background that we kind of just had to like do our um, our own thing to, and it had to be like really really quick, and we had to like be standing up on boxes and then jumping down and then because I was a frog, I was like squatting and then jumping and then squatting and jumping. And that did a number on my thighs. <laughs> um, and you know, what's funny about that, that whole show, that whole show, we only performed for one child. Everybody else was an adult or a friend of the directors. And we had talkbacks and, um, and, and, you know, they had people ask us about like the different sexualities and like what we had learned. And, um, 
Yeah, there there was like, oh, I remember there was this family that came. Uh, it was a, a husband and wife. And I think, you know, they had, um, I think their child was uh, coming out as trans. They never explicitly stated, but um, they started asking questions. And I, I could remember this, the, the mom getting hurt. And it wasn't because uh, her child was trans. It was because that her child didn't have uh, the courage to tell her that she was trans and she was like but i'm her mother so i don't understand why she wouldn't be able to tell me and i i remember like all of us on stage are like trying to figure out this like uh answer that we could give her that would like help her but at the end of the day just anyone who's in the lgbt it's like it's hard to come out to anyone because you never know which you know you hear these horror stories about like whichever way anyone's gonna go and i think this mother was just really hurt that um uh, their their child was keeping something from them, um, and that and I think that was something that like I think that was a moment in in uh, my career and my first professional career just like learning and and doing something that I love like I've always wanted to share stories and I'd hoped that these stories would like reach people in a way that would help them and that was like the first instance that that actually happened. Um, and I, I wish that woman the best, and I'm glad that she learned a lot more too, so that way she can have a relationship with her child. Uh, sorry, but yeah, that was like that was a random sidebar, but like that that was like one of the moments that I was like, wow, acting is like really really fulfilling. Yeah, do you know, not not a random sidebar at all, because I think we, um, I think it's very easy for us to 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 forget that 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 is something that we are doing. Um, I think we just get so lost sometimes in, in the everything of it that, um, that you forget that, yeah, we're telling a story, but that the story is going to impact someone in, in, in a way that, that is helpful to them. And I think it's so important, particularly now, you know, with this, the climate of the world and things like that, that we create safe spaces for, you know, to have these conversations and, for um, anyone who is afraid of sharing something that they feel that we have created a safe space that allows them to learn how to share better or, you know, things like that. So I, I think that's, and, and you're right, um, the stories we tell, I think we forget how impactful they are and how impactful they can be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's kind of why I started too, is because, and I think that's where most actors start too, is that like they want to tell stories that help people, and and in a way too, while you're helping someone else, you're kind of helping yourself, so you have like this this like nice sense of accomplishment that like you've done your duty, and and when you when when you tell these stories too, you're learning so much about these characters and like what they're going through, and like it kind of just like it can also prepare you for a situation like sort of similar to that or, or, you know, something a little further away. You could always be like, Oh, is this one time in this play where this thing happened and this person was jealous and this is how the other person reacted. So that's a really good sign not to do it that way or to do it that way. And yeah. And I, I, I think I love that part of storytelling a lot. Yeah. Everything that we, that has, that we have seen and felt, and you know, it all aids something, another story that we can tell or that we will tell later on. So any experience that we have, you know, whether it's through a character or personally, we, it, it, I think it aids and it adds to our toolbox of uh, things that we can use um, later on. So I'm all, I'm always for, you know, events like that. And, um, and I think that's the reason why a lot of us get into this business. I know, I, I know sometimes for me, it's like, if, if one person, you know, if I can take for, for, you know, the two hours that the show runs, if for those two hours and for, you know, for example, if it's a comedy and it's just, and it's just a lighthearted comedy. And if for that two hours, one person in the audience just forgets about, you know, the, the darkness in the world and they just forget that they have bills to pay and that you know they got work tomorrow and just for that for those two hours they do nothing but they're so immersed in the story and they're laughing with the characters then I've done my job even if it's just one person then I feel like I have done my job yes yeah I totally I totally agree and I think it's I think it's such a um I just think it's such a, a magical moment to have like people escape and to just like suspend their disbelief and, and have them watch these, these stories unfold on stage. And um, I'm really glad I got started on stage because I, I learned 
a lot from doing that because when I started, I um, knew. I think I think when I started in film, like I, I I knew absolutely nothing. But like starting from theater, it really helped me, you know, like grasp like the talent side of it, um, but not really like more of the professional side. Uh, so I, I was really happy. I'm really happy to be doing this and I'm, I'm really happy to be sharing stories with people as well. Yeah, absolutely. I hear what you're saying about, you know, working in the theater. Um, and I always say this is that, um, yeah, when I started to work in film and television, there's this whole technical aspect of it that I'm, I was so not prepared for, um, because I'm, I'm so theater trained and my background is so theater. Um, that when I did branch out, it's not like I went to like film school or did a course or anything. Um, I, I, I'm learning on the job. Even now, I'm still learning on the job. I'm learning technical terms. Um, but what I do love so much about the theater, and I love working in film and television, and I feel incredibly privileged that I get to work in that medium. But what I love about the theater is that there is the journey has a beginning has a middle and an ending. You will start the process and you will end the process. No one is going to stop you halfway and be like, stop, sorry, go back, do that again. You know, there is a completion of the journey and there's this shared energy and this shared experience that you're having with the audience. And I love that. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely, I'm, I'm the same, same exact way. And, and it's funny, I get, so I get like now with in, in the classes that I, cause um, now I'm taking classes for like film and television. Now I'm getting pegged on my theater training on like a couple of, a couple of things. Like they, um, when, when we're acting out scenes in class, I forget that, like, you know, I'm, I'm like performing for my class, but I'm supposed to be like performing on, on camera. I'm doing like air quotes, <laughs> but, um, so I'm like yelling at like my scene partner and every, I swear, I get this note all the time is that like my teacher will be like, hey, that was great. Um, you could just quiet down just like a little bit, just like quiet down. She's like right next to you. Don't worry about it. And I'm like screaming for the back row to like hear me. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So that's, and that's where I'm at with that training, but, um, that's yeah, been fun, uh, coming out here and doing all that yeah um so i know that you you moved from chicago to los angeles in the middle of all of this craziness okay so are you well are you okay <laughs> yeah am i like am i insane or what that was <laughs> that's so okay, talk to me about that move for you and how what is the difference? Because I know you were doing television in Chicago as well. And tell me about the difference in the auditions in Chicago to the auditions that you're doing now that you're in LA. Okay. Um, so let's see, let's start with leading up to me moving to LA. So, um, I have two friends, uh, their names are, um, Erica and Ari. Um, I love them both to death. Both are the fiercest women and, and they inspire me every day. They're creating their own web series and they were doing it while they were in Chicago. Um, it's called drip. It's about like, uh, witches and it's like a cross between like broad city and charmed. Um, so I just wanted to plug that because I'm a big fan of that. And, and they're still in the process of writing it. And it's it's so good. But we were, sorry, yes, I was like, just want to plug that shameless plug. Um, but um, they are such, <laughs> they are such supportive friends. Um, you know, it got to a point where like, uh, we were thinking, we were talking, and, and we were all in the car. And we were like, you know, Chicago has provided some some experiences for us. And both her and um, both my roommate, Erica, and my friend Ari were like, hey, Matt, we were thinking about moving to Los Angeles, and we know that you want to try this. And we were just wondering, like, maybe you'd want to come with us. And at the time, I had, I had other things going on in my life that I thought were going to be much more precious to me, and they ended up not being. And um, I ended up messaging them, and I was like, yeah yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And we both, all three of us, like as organized as we are, came up with a plan that within the next 10 months, we would move to Los Angeles. And, um, it started at the beginning of 2020. And, um, so we were like, we were like, go, go, go. We were going to make enough money to be able to move. And then the pandemic hit, um, in March. So 
things got a little uh, things got a little more hectic. So now all of us are like confined to our homes, but our plan was still in play because um, fortunately we were we were very lucky enough to keep our jobs throughout the pandemic. So there wasn't like a, a stop of income or anything. And then Erica had to um, that we knew that the plan was in motion when Erica had to move back home to Las Vegas, Nevada, with her family. Um, and that's when we were like, all right, we're locked in. We're here to do this. And, and that was like in the middle of June. And then, you know, we saved up enough money and we planned on an October 1st move in date. And um, I moved in the middle of the pandemic and everyone in my family was so, so worried about me. They were they were like, oh, you don't you don't want to move to Los Angeles in the pandemic. That's terrible. That's terrible. It's going bad over there because California, like, well, we were in Chicago. The news from California was like, it's getting real bad out here. And something I've learned already from living in Los Angeles is that Los Angeles and California as a whole is on the brink of destruction, it seems like, every, every like, three days. I'm like, okay, so, like, California's falling apart. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing new. Um, and so, uh, after a while, my aunt, who, um, who I really look up to, she's an artist, um, she sat down with me and she said, and I'm, I'm in the kitchen with her and my grandma, and my grandma's trying to convince me, and my aunt goes, she's like, she calls me Booger. She goes, Booger, you don't want to move to, you don't want to move to Los Angeles. Man, there's a lot going on there. And I go, um, I guess for context, I should say I wanted to move to Los Angeles in 2015, and I'm really, really glad that I waited. Um, but it felt like it was time. And right when she told me, Booger, you don't want to move to Los Angeles, I, I stopped and took a breath and I said, Auntie Betty, if I don't do this now, then when? When do I do this? Because uh, at a certain point, I, I was scared to death, you know, and, and wanting to move out here. Um, there was like the fear of being away from like my support system. Like, what am I going to do out here if I don't have them? And then wanting to make this dream a reality. Um, and that's a huge leap. And I can understand why people are always so scared to take that leap. But I, I encourage everybody to just try something because at the end of your life, I'm sure you're going to look around and you're just going to be like, damn, I, I really wish I tried this or I really wish I tried that. And even if things don't work out for me, I'm really, really happy that I'm here and that I tried that. So, Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I hear you about, you know, taking the leap and you're right. If not now, when? Um, so, you know, I, I'm super thrilled for you that you did that. Um, um, so, you know, and I wish you all the best in LA. Um, tell me about the best experience that you've had in an audition room. You know, whether you got the job or not, it's neither here nor there. Yeah, so this is actually about the, the first professional, like, well, not the first professional audition, but it's about Chicago. And um, I highly recommend that if you're an artist that's starting out, Chicago is a fantastic jumping point. Um, you've got like a, a handful of like creatives there and, you know, they have the staple Chicago shows like Chicago PD, Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, um, and a lot of things being filmed there. Um, but there's a lot of commercial work and there's like a lot of voiceover work that you can just like dip your toe in and just get that experience. And, um, I ended up getting an agent back in 2017 when I had moved back to Chicago, uh, and they started um, sending me out for like Chicago Med auditions and Chicago Fire auditions. And um, I ended up getting to uh, meet the casting agent for that. Her name is Claire Simon um, a couple of times. And as I was going through the motions through the years, um, I started realizing that like, oh, she keeps calling me in. She, she like knows who I am. So she's obviously like rooting for me. And I think that's, that's really, really sweet of her. And, you know, never deliberately said because, you know, casting directors are on a very tight schedule, you know, so you go in, you say hello, you do your thing and you come out. So I did a couple auditions with her. And then uh, in 2019, I auditioned for the role of a bus boy in March of 2019. Uh, or, or in February, I ended up booking it. I was on set the following three days. And then this was the most fantastic experience I've ever had. I mean, like, I was like a kid in a candy store. There were lights. There were, there were like, people walking around. I had my own PA for the day. People called crafties. And, like, it was so much fun. Like, I, I really felt like, uh, I, I really felt, like, really made me feel special on, on that set. And um, 
it's so funny because like I was getting bad imposter syndrome. I was like, oh, I'm just a bus boy. Like I only have like four lines and 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 I was like I, I'm not like I'm not like any of these people but they they really made me feel like a professional and they really made me feel welcome to try anything um and now and then this is where I started to like think about my my plan of action and it kind of just happened right so um are you familiar you're familiar with five and above right and then like four and below like the lines yeah yeah so I had four lines um and I knew that if I added a fifth one, that SAG-AFTRA would contact me about joining the union. And those would be all of my points that I could use <laughs> to get it. So I'm sitting there. I was like, I have these four lines. Maybe I'll just add, like, one line. Not a big deal. And um, so we're all sitting around, like, for rehearsal for the scene. And all of the actors are there. Um, you know, there's Marina and, and John Seda and uh, Patrick who are all like sitting around. I, I only say their first names. I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really good friends with them because I can't, because I can't pronounce their last names. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, but I remember I'm like, I'm in, the, I'm sitting in the, in the circle with all of them and, and we're going through the scene and we're telling our lines. And then I finally, I add my fifth line. And I stepped over John Seda's line during the rehearsal. And the look he gave me was like pure shock. And like he looked at me and then I looked at him and then the director looked at me and I looked at myself and I went, I'm so fired. I'm so fired. And then like, because there was like a little pause, the director was like, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. And like, we just moved past it. And they let me keep the fifth line. And I had such a magical moment on there because I was talking with uh, one of the lead guys, Patrick, and and Patrick uh, was talking to me, and he was like, "Gosh, what are you like, you know, like, eighteen? And I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm 23, man. Like, this is." Uh, he was like, "Wow, you look great for your age." And you know, he's giving me like advice, and he's talking about how like he and Sophia Bush would would always talk about like the teen drama that she was on, and he says that I feel he feels that I would be really good in the teen drama. And the director's coming up to me and telling me I'm doing a really, really great job. And like, in my heart, my, my heart was like about to explode because in that moment I was like, I think I have a real shot at this. I think I have a real, real, like a real chance at being like a professional actor and, and booking gigs. And, you know, ever since then, I, I had just, I hold on to that. And I've had the best determination, I think, ever since moving out to LA. Um, and that was... And yeah, and that's where like the audition led to to that professional moment. And that audition, I remember too. Um, just going back, I'm so sorry. Uh, is that Claire 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 Simon? Um, I I like said something, and Claire like stopped the audition, and I was like, oh, shoot, I didn't get it. But she was like, hey, you just you missed this thing. Um, he walks past you, and it says that in the stage directions. He walks past you, so can you just watch him pass you, and then and then go from there and that was at the callback and uh so i did it and then yeah the next day um i actually heard from uh, a hairstylist before i heard from my agent that i had booked the gig so <laughs> that was that's my audition great you know i love that um that the, that the atmosphere that was created the working atmosphere was a place where you felt that even though you were just, you know, the bus boy, um, that you felt like you could, that if you had an opinion or a suggestion, that you could, that you could say it. You know, I think that, and I, I love that. And I'm all, I'm, I'm always all in for um, working environments that make me feel like, like it is a collaborative effort. Um, obviously, I, you know, knowing when and how and you know, to, to, to do these type of things, but to know that in the back of your mind that it is a space where it's okay if you made a suggestion, you know, it's not the end of your career, the end of your time on that job, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and um, I think that was like a really big risk. And I think that also taught me, you know, like to take more risks and, and to keep going for and for stuff like that. And, you know, that's what makes you that what that's what makes you a creative is that you take these risks and that, and that people are like that was risky and you know sometimes it works out for you and sometimes it doesn't and that's like you know that's life man you just like you make you fail and then you do it again and you and you just make better like you know it's just yes i love the whole creative aspect about it yeah yeah um tell us about 
the worst experience that you've had in that casting audition room? Oh, man. It, does it have to be film, or, or can I talk about, like, theater? It could be anything. Oh, man. Okay. So, I, uh, I feel like I've had a lot of bad auditions. Um, let's see. I had, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I've, okay, so I'm, I'm, the name of the theater is escaping me, but it's, um, it's out in a suburb and they do, they do really good shows. It's like, uh, I think one year they were doing Into the Woods and then another year they were doing Avenue Q. Um, gosh, and I would, I would want to audition for them every time and every audition that I had with them was awful. And they were probably like, this kid keeps coming back, man. And what is he doing? Um, but one audition that I remember was for the Avenue Q audition. And uh, I was I decided to take another risk. And this was a song that I had sung a bunch of times. So I was singing um, My Unfortunate Erection from the 25th annual uh, Putnam County Spelling Bee. And um, I gave the women the music. You know, I, I tell her at what tempo I'd like to play. And... Um, my roommate is, is at the time was she she is a fantastic pianist and um, she could crank it out like it was nobody's business and I don't know I felt like that translated to every other pianist and the woman that was playing at the audition was kind of I could I could see her messing up a little bit and and I don't I, I'm not gonna blame her because I should have just kept going but it did take me back and like I was like I was getting a little shocked and I took a risk because I brought candy into the oh no oh no I brought I brought candy into the room to like sell the, to sell the part and to sell the part so I put it in front of the I put it in front of the auditors the uh the people who are auditioning us and um started singing and now here I am singing like way down here and like trying to like bring it up but like I'm trying to figure out where she's at on the piano and I'm focusing too much on the piano and then I look over at the people who are auditioning and they're like making this face at me like come on come on you can do it like where are you at like figure it out and instead of stopping and asking to start again or asking to play a different song I trucked through the whole thing and it was like the very last part where it's like a lot of belty stuff. So <laughs> it all sounded terrible. And the worst part was I walked out of that audition and I was there with a friend and he goes, hey, are you okay? And I go, yeah, let's get out of here, please. I just need to get out. I need to get out of this. I need to get out of this audition room. And, and, that, was, and that was one of my worst auditions. Oh man, I can't believe I did all of that. But hey, you live and you learn. So, so since then, I have not brought candy for any auditors. Absolutely. You live and you learn. Matt, tell me about your audition preparation uh, strategy, if you have one. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's, sometimes it's hot garbage and sometimes I'm really on it. So it, it really, <laughs> there's not an exact science for me. I should, I should, I always tell myself I should be getting better at this, but, but I'm not. Sometimes um, the way that like life happens, I, I have to start memorizing like maybe last second. And that's, that's a little harder, but I just need a quiet room and maybe like 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how much um, I need to memorize. So this is, this is of course, when I have like very, very short notice. Um, but, and, and, you know, it ends up going, okay. It's not, it's never my favorite audition when, when that happens, but, uh, I, I'm prepared enough to make choices and, and nothing, you know, I always feel like a little weird with those, but in terms of like having an audition that I'm, I'm ready for and, and well prepared for, I kind of read through it a couple of times when I first get the sides. Um, and I, I want to say I do that for like an hour, an hour and a half, and then, um, I set it down and I kind of go over in my head, what did I just read? Uh, this is what the scene is about. Um, I don't remember the exact line, but he says something to the effect of this. Uh, and maybe we could play with that kind of emotion. Um, or there's a line that really like really strikes me and I'll keep repeating that line over in my head and I'll just kind of leave it for the day after that. Um, and then maybe the next day I'll read it once more. And then on the third day or on a day where it's getting really close to the audition, I'll start to memorize it just so I can like, I, I'm like, I'm basically what I'm doing is like, I'm taking these lines 
and I'm like isolating them and then using those as points to remember what happens in the scene. Um, so then on the, yeah. So then on the third one, on like the third day, um, I'll sit down, I'll memorize and I'll, I'll start making like choices and, and, and stuff like that. And hopefully have like a fleshed out character by the time um, of the audition. Um, also, I do a, a lot of highlighting. I do a lot of like color coding highlighting. Like I'll do like really nice, like purple. I love it. I love it. Or yeah, yeah. See you like, you know, like it's really, really nice. I like, I love being organized. So I like doing like all these colors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, speaking about, you know, organized and highlighting, um, you do, and we have come to that part of the discussion. So a little birdie named Georgie told me that you keep a spreadsheet of all your auditions. And that just appeals to the type A personality in me. I'm a Capricorn, and so I like control. I like order. Um, and, I, you know, I know people keep, you know, audition journals where they might say who they auditioned for, what they wore, what song they sang, things like that. But I have never heard of anyone keeping an actual spreadsheet. So please tell the class about how you came to keep the spreadsheet, what is on the spreadsheet, um, and just, just, just give me the whole breakdown on the spreadsheet. I have been waiting, since ever since I heard about this spreadsheet, I've been waiting to get to talk to you about this spreadsheet. I, okay, well, okay, great. It's, it's not one of my prouder moments, but I really, I do love this spreadsheet with all of my heart. <laughs> um, we've already established that I'm crazy because I moved here during the pandemic, but, um, you know, in, in my studying and in, in trying to find like my footing in, in acting, I read Jenna Fisher's book, um, which I highly recommend because, um, She's the reason that I booked that that gig on Chicago PD and started getting called in for a, a lot more things. Um, so Jenna Fisher, if you're listening to this, oh my God, thank you so much. <laughs> and um, and in her book, she she just makes kind of like this offhand comment about how um, she has a note card and and just like the journals that people keep, she she writes what she wore, she writes how she feels, and she writes the day that it was on. Um, but for some reason, in that moment, when I remembered it, uh, I thought she kept like a like I I know that she kept a collection of these, and I was like, oh, why don't I just make like a spreadsheet? So <laughs> before uh, you know moving to LA, I was like, okay, I have to remember that when I get an agent and when I get like a manager or or something, that I have to make the Excel sheet immediately. And so at the top of my Excel sheet, it it has written out when I joined my agent and when I joined my manager. Um, below, I have to look at this uh, as well, so I'll be looking at it. Um, below, the categories are um, the dates, the projects, the agency, the casting director and agency, uh, the medium, the role, if I got a call back, if it was booked, notes, which are basically how I felt about the audition, and then at the last part it says good or bad. It's um, all color coded. Um, when I say I have agency like written as one of the categories, uh, agency is like who got it for me. So my uh, agent's name is Nicholas and my uh, manager's name is Isabel. Um, and so it, I'll list like who got this one for me. So Isabel got this one for me or Nicholas got this one for me. Um, now uh, I signed with both of them um, I signed with Nicholas on November 23rd, and then I signed with um, Isabel on November 30th. So not too long uh, after I moved here, I, I signed with someone. And then right um, as I signed with Isabel, I got my first audition from Nicholas. And um, I was like, great, we got one um, on the Excel sheet. That's excellent. And then eventually it kept going and going and going. And now we have reached um, 70 auditions uh, to date um, with all of these color coded. And um, because I have this data, I would highlight the row and then I would transform them into different graphs. So now um, I know which 
uh, casting directors are calling me in multiple times. And I know um, which, like, I'm going out for television and commercials more than I'm going out for, like, uh, shorts or voiceovers. Um, I know that Isabel is getting 56% of my auditions. And I know that I had 70% good auditions over the 29.2% bad auditions. So I have, I have, da so I have data uh, about about what's going on with my career. And, and um, I have to say, I, I love, 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 love filling out this Excel sheet. I, you know, like I said, I, I have this type A personality in me and I am obsessed with this Excel spreadsheet. And I feel like, cause I, you know what? I love an Excel spreadsheet. I have Excel spreadsheeted my makeup and my like facial products so that I know like how many Ruby Woo lipsticks I have, how many, you know, blusher, blushing orgasm I have. You know, I, I am aware of what is happening in my makeup drawer and because it, it's all on my Excel spreadsheet. And you know, when something's finished, I highlight it in red so I know I have to go and get it again. <laughs> so I, I love an Excel spreadsheet. I'm like, I, 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 I like categorize like the movies on my hard drive and stuff like that. I love it. So I I feel like I need to do this. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, it's it's so great to have that organization. Yeah. So I feel that an Excel spreadsheet is for me. Yes. I, I you know what, Taryn? I mean, we we can sit down. Yeah, we can sit down and I will I will go through I will go through all of it with you. I've I've done this already for uh two of my friends and um honestly I it's one of my favorite things. So I would love to to sit down with you and, and I can go through it with you the whole time. Uh, oh, it's gonna be so great. It's gonna be so fun. This is so exciting. And I and I you know, I obviously I love Excel, but I'm not I wouldn't say like I'm an Excel expert because they're still like I don't know how to like tally things up and make it into a graph but I want to know all these things and so I cannot wait you, that this is our project this is our this is going to be our first collaboration you and me making my excel spreadsheet yeah, absolutely yeah 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 and it'd, and it'd be great and you know what we can take a picture and and it's so fun to like look at it in its like entirety it is so it is so pretty because like once you add all of those like color coding things it's just so fun to look at and i just love being organized and i just love having those data that data and i i and you know you being a capricorn and like i'm an aries so like i'm also just trying to like make sure that everything is like together because otherwise it's chaos um I I feel like this is just good. this is going to be just only beneficial for both of us. Perfect. It is done. Um, so you know, speaking about this spreadsheet, you can obviously see um, how many projects you have not gotten, and you know, rejection is such a big it's such a big part of this of this industry. So talk me through how you process the rejection um you know to be honest with you i i don't really think about it i i i know that there are are auditions that i would i love just like love to be a part of and and there are ones that i've like i've tried really really hard um and i think i put out really really good auditions for that don't even give me a call back um and and usually like it's it's it gets pretty easy when when you audition for something and then you send it and then you just forget about it you kind of i just kind of go about my day and just and think you know uh there's nothing going on um i did audition for this uh the disney talent showcase and they ended up giving me a call back and you know in their emails when you submit or whatever they say um due to the volume of people we can't tell you if you got it or not um but I ended up getting a call back and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like this is, this is huge. Like just even getting a call back for this, like out of a ton of people, you'll, um, I have just like this great, great opportunity. Uh, and so I put all this effort into my callback, uh, submitted it. And that was one that I thought about for a while. And I think after maybe two weeks, I kept checking their Instagram page to see if anything happened. And then finally they they uploaded the picture of the finalists and i was like ah oh, darn like i didn't get it but like you know what you know what i can attribute this to i can attribute this to some zodiac some fun zodiac stuff now i believe <laughs> 
Now, I believe that like Zodiac is is fun, but when you start to like you know blame your personality, like the really part poor qualities of like your personality on it, that's where it becomes an issue. But you know, Aries are always very competitive, and I love me, I love a good game, and auditioning is the name of the game. And there are other people that you're kind of competing with. Um, and I, I don't mean that in a malicious way. It's just like, it's fun for me. It's fun to compete. And I love a good game. So when I lose, I'm like, ah, good game. Great game. I didn't get it, but you guys did. And I'm happy for you. Um, and that's, and that's kind of how I handle rejection. That is so smart. That is just so smart. Cause I think it's very easy for us to, very quickly disappear into a black hole of, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm not good enough. It's, it's so easy to do that. And I, um, this happened to me. So last year I auditioned for a show and I, and I felt really good about the audition, but I also had like a piece of like, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. And for me, I was like, mm-hmm, growth. Um, and then I got an email um, and it was a rejection email and it was, it was the nicest rejection I have ever gotten that I, I was like, I was, I was said to my life coach, I'm like, I'm going to print it and frame it because the way that it, and it was like a super standard, you know, it was nothing like incredibly fancy, but, and I think just my mindset had shifted to a place of it's okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect who I am. It doesn't take away from my abilities and anything like that. And I just, and I think in that moment, I was like, I'm, when it comes to rejection, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, good. That's, and I think that's, I think that's excellent too. And there's always that moment I feel like for a lot of actors too. And if it hasn't happened yet, it will happen soon, you know? And I think what's important is like, when, like, I'm losing my train of thought here, but like when, a, when rejection comes, like you, you have to understand, like when you, when you signed up to want to do this business, like you have to know that that's what this is coming with. And, um, and, oh, this is, this, you know, there's a lot of philosophies that go for me that go into, this is what I was going to say into the rejection thing. Um, and one is that like, <laughs> I lost it again. Damn it. <laughs> um, like, oh, no, it's gone. I'm sorry. I wish I could help you. <laughs> um, it's it's just you know rejection is just going to be a part of it's just a part of the business, and I, I wish everybody the best of luck with that. And yeah, that's that. Darn, I I really felt like I had something, and and then it, it just went away. Well, if it comes, you just just shout it out. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Um, uh, has your opinion? on auditions changed from that first audition to your most recent audition? It has. It has, yes. Um, because my first audition, you know, all out in Chicago, and, and uh, again, it's a great jumping point, but there are few and far between uh, in Chicago. Um, so I was always like, I felt like I was like scrounging for scraps. Like I was just trying to like, I was like, oh, okay, I got this audition. So I would put all this pressure on myself because it's like, I don't know when the next one's gonna come. So I have to, I have to do really, really well. I have to do better um, for this audition. And um, now uh, coming out here, um, I guess, okay, back in Chicago, I guess I was just like really desperate for a job. I was really desperate and and you don't ever want to be like desperate for a job. You just want to you want to have fun because acting your your job is to audition. That's that's what everybody says. So now I view it as that is that this is my job. I'm auditioning um as opposed to like if I don't get this job then 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 I'm just like a horrible actor and and this is just, you know, I I don't know when the next one's going to come and I'll just be sitting wasting away in Chicago doing nothing. Um and, and that's obviously like a really dark place to go to, a really like heavy place to go to after, you know, just having one audition. And if one audition did that to me, I was like, uh, I, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But um, as more and more auditions came in, I was like, oh, no, this is it. This is what the job is, is just is just showing your art and, and creating a character for people to see if it's right to put on on film. Um and I'm having a lot more fun with it. And the moment that you start having more fun with your auditions 
is the moment that you start getting more callbacks is the moment that you start getting, uh, you know, called in more. And, and I sincerely believe that. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that the, um, you know, you've spoken about all this pressure on yourself. Um, I think the more we do it and the older we get, um, the, I think we, the less pressure we put on ourselves. Cause you realize like, this is also not all there is in my life. There are other things, you know, and if, if I put everything on this one thing, then it takes away from enjoying the other things. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's an, uh, I mean, I just have to echo that. That is exactly like how I feel. Um, oh, oh, and so, oh, sorry, I just remembered. So back, back to that rejection thing. Um, I was saying that there's like a lot of philosophies that, that can go into it. You know, you can come up with so many things. And, and one of the things that really helps me with rejection is that everyone that's in that room with you, everyone that has been called in for that same exact part has talent. But what's different about all of you is that you've all created a different character. It's just about which character they thought was like, was more fit for that part. And, you know, looks go into it as well. And, and it doesn't mean that you're ugly. And it doesn't mean that like, you know, like you're, you're not like right yet. You're not good enough as an actor. They called you in because you were talented, you know? And I think everyone has to remember that. Everyone in that room is talented. It's just, what do you bring to the table? And like, I always do like this, this fight or flight thing, right? And it's a part of the, that game that I'm playing is, is like, I always want to fight, especially when I see someone who does like a really, really good job. When I see someone who does like a really, really good job in my class or in an audition room or anything, it really makes me want to rise to the occasion to be on their level, if not go further. And I think that's what really also helps with rejection. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Um, especially when you were like watching someone else do something good makes me want to rise to the occasion and not like, oh, I hate this person. Look at them, you know, because I think that is, that is detrimental to yourself because that, you know, that has no effect on the person that's just affecting yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, you're, I feel like as an actor, I think you're doing yourself a really, really, I think you're doing yourself a huge disservice if you start hating on someone because of their talent, because this business, and we, we know this when we start is as brutal as it is, is already, it's already tough. And I sincerely believe that as actors, we should be helping each other and building each other up. So to go into a room and, and be jealous of someone uh, and not envious, and there's like a difference there is, is really gonna hurt you, you know? There's that saying, it's like when you hold on to anger, it's like holding on to a hot piece of coal. Like you're you like you don't want to do that to yourself. That's just that's negative energy that you don't want to bring. Um uh yeah. I just feel like act like as actors, we should be we should be really kind to one another and and open opportunities for each other. Absolutely. Uh Matt, what has been the best audition advice that you have received? Uh, you, by the way, I have to say you are asking incredibly great questions. I think these are fantastic questions. You're doing, this is awesome. Um, the, <laughs> the, um, best audition advice that I have ever received. And it's one that really calms me down is that the casting directors are on your team. They want you to succeed. That is the best acting advice I had ever given because at first when I was starting, um, you know, I was always, I was getting so nervous going into these rooms and um, they talk about it a little bit on another podcast. I, I believe it was uh, Audrey Helps Actors. It's about how like when you're an actor, you sit in the room and you just sort through all of like your trauma in like one go and people don't even realize they're doing it. You're like, you're bringing it in like 60 seconds. You're attacking yourself with all of this negative energy when really it should be like, guys, I have just an amazing performance for you. I can't wait for you guys to view it. I know that you guys are going to enjoy it. And then the casting team is excited to see you because right when you walk into that audition, it starts number one. And number two, they, they want to be excited that you're excited and they want you to succeed and they want you to succeed. They want to be able to change your life in, in just an instant. Um, and I think going into an audition room with that kind of mentality is really, really going to help you build your confidence and, and really stand tall when you start giving that monologue or doing that scene or making your choices. 
I could not agree more. I think in the beginning of, I know for, for me anyway, in the beginning of my career, you go in there, you're super defensive, I gotta prove something to you, you got your back up against the wall, these people hate me, and, um, and this is one thing I've definitely, that's, that has stood and stood out and been a consistent theme with, with every conversation I've had with this podcast is how my friends who I'm talking to are coming to the realization or have come to the realization that the people behind the table, they want you to be the best that you can be. They want you to succeed. So they, they are there to support you. Yeah. Yeah. They want you, they want you on your best day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's like, you can't, you, you if you start to view the other side of the table as a threat, you're going to have a bad time. Like you're not, it's not going to be good for you, you know? And yeah. Absolutely. 100% agreed. Matt, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time, but before I let you go, I have three very, very quick questions. Um, and I'm always like, okay, we're done with the work. So I can, we can just have a little fun with these three questions. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So the first question is if you could do any other profession, what would it be? Teaching. I would be, I would be a teacher. I, yeah, I think, um, I think before I was going to be an actor, uh, I was, I went through like a circle of things. I was like, oh, I could be a nurse. And I did want to be a nurse. And then I was like, oh, or maybe teaching. I like teaching. I love science. Uh, so I, I love, um, I would love to be like a biology teacher or a chemistry teacher. Um, and then I went to acting and then I did it all over again. And then I was like, you know what? I think I would be happier if I just tried acting. So if, I, if not acting, uh, you'll catch me teaching. I love that. Okay, the second question, in your opinion, who was so perfectly cast in a role that if they redid it a hundred times, it would never match that person? Oh, damn, this is a hard question. Um, shoot. You know, I'm a really big fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. A huge fan, big Marvel boy over here. Uh, and I think so many parts there were, were cast in... in in a way that I, I can't see anybody else playing them. So like um, a spoiler alert for WandaVision, but like Catherine Hahn as uh, Agatha Harkness, um, I think she's fantastic. I think um, overall, 10 out of 10, uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. There is no man that I, they, of course, yeah, he, like he looks like even before he like came out the comic books that he already looks like him. He had such a great personality for him. He really brought him to life. And I, I just think that he did a, a great job. Um, and I'm, um, I'm a big Tom Holland, uh, Spider-Man fan. So I think he did a really great job as Spider-Man. Um, and I think he's, he's, uh, number one for me. I I'm, I'm a big Marvel fan as well. And so, yeah, I'll take, I will take all of that. <laughs> Yes, yes, good, great, <laughs> nice. Okay, our final question. If you could play any role, male or female, what would it be? Another tough question. Um, damn, I don't know. I, ah, shoot. I would really love to be like on a show with, um, Actually, I would love to be in the cast of, of Knives Out. Uh, any sort of ensemble movie or, or murder mystery or anything like that, I think would be just a lot, a lot of fun. Um, and actually, um, it's one of my goals, uh, and I'm talking about it with my team because I, 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 I really, really want this. And I know so many people do, but there's going to come a time where the X-Men will join the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And um, I was really hoping, I was really, really hoping to go for Wiccan, but they, they had cast him already. And uh, I would really like to play Iceman. I would really like to play Iceman in, in the new X-Men movies that, that come out. And I think I'd, I would crush those parts. I think I would love that. We are going to manifest that for you. We must be very clear about our intentions. And so you know, we're going to light our candles, sage the place out. We're going to do it. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thank you. Good, good, good. Because <laughs> I really want this. I really want this. Uh, I love it. 
Matt, thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much for joining me. Please tell all the listeners how they can keep up to date with everything that you're doing. Give me all the plugs. Oh, of course. Yes. Um, I only have one, really, I think, and it's it's Instagram. Um, so you can follow me at Mr. Matt Torres. Um, it's going to be M-R-M-A-T-T-T-O-R-R-E-S. Um, so that's where you can find me doing most of my shenanigans. Um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get into this zone of creation. So if you want to follow me on TikTok, it's the same username. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just start making goofier TikToks and just kind of live in my best life. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's me. That's, Ma- <laughs> that's Matthew. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you again so much. No, thank you, Taryn. This was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. I Hope I Get It, the podcast is produced by Citizen Femme Productions. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hope I Get It Pod.